Hello, everyone, and welcome to Marketing Roundtable. I am Tatiana Kani-Smith, and I work in design. And I am Rachel Rhodes. I work in organic social media. And today's guest is our own Tom Bendel. So please give us your elevator pitch and an intro into who you are. Hi, I'm Tom, and I specialize in SEO. Um, and I've been with Braindew for almost a year. It will actually be a year in about two weeks. So we work with you. We know what your past is like, but it's pretty interesting. So please let the people know your background. Absolutely. So interesting enough, uh, I actually initially was going to school for business and I was looking at trying to minor in uh, political science. And then after a year of going to college, I kind of very quickly started realizing I was like, this isn't for me, not really enjoying this. Um, and that's where I ended up being like, all right, got to take a break, got to figure out what I enjoy. And the first thing that I found was kind of like film production. I opened up my own company called Lucky 7 Cinema. Um, and from there, I started doing more advertising. And as I was doing the advertising, it led me towards finding my first role as a social media uh, manager. And from there, um, I worked with a small business. It was like a little fitness company. And as I was working with them, I was like, you know, I, I really want to get out to New York City. I got to get away from Indiana. I don't want to live here anymore. I need to be in the big city. And so I said, all right, I'm just going to take the jump, moved out to New York City and landed with a company. It was a physical therapy company. And I started as their social media and marketing coordinator, um, where just a short, I think it was like six or seven months later after starting, I ended up getting promoted to director of marketing um, and the rest was kind of history. I, I was working in that, started kind of learning more about all the different disciplines that went into it as I took on the director role, because it was no longer just, oh, you're just focused on social media and like a little bit of that stuff. Mm. It became, hey, you have to know paid ads. You have to know how to do analytics and social. And you also have to know this weird thing called SEO. And I was like, what is this? Mm -hmm. And the minute that I got into it, I immediately was like, I want to move my career to this. And that's kind of where I ended up kind of looking for some new opportunities. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You have like so many, you did so many different things. And we were talking, when we were talking about you last time, we were like, wow, Tom is just, I think I said like a storied past, like a rich storied past. It's so interesting and cool. And um, yeah, not necessarily like the most, conventional trajectory right it's also interesting to be promoted to such a high level at such a young age because yes. that seems like a lot of learning on the go but you know it brought you to seo which obviously you left that position and now you're here working in seo yeah so what kind like what about seo kind of excited you tell us a little more about it so it was a lot of as i got into it i realized that there was like so much to it and for those of you that don't know what seo is there's a great other podcast mm -hmm. episode that uh ron uh which is my boss actually w did he covered seo great but seo is basically the practice of optimizing your website and um, content to ensure ranking um, and kind of beating the competition for search engine results page. Um, you'll hear these referred to as like SERP results. Um, and as I got into it and I was like, all right, how do I get, when I was with the physical therapy company, I was like, how do I get this company to rank higher and start beating some of these other comp competitors? Because we had massive competitors that were in the industry that 
had millions and millions of dollars. And I was like, our company has three locations and we do not have millions of dollars to spend right. on like marketing. And so as I got in, I started learning about like keyword research. Mm-hmm. And then I started learning that content falls along with SEO. And then I was like, okay, that's really cool. And then from there I started learning like SEO also like kind of involved links and my website and the health of my website. And I was like, this is getting more technical and I kind of like it. It was like almost like I got the version best of both worlds. I got the version of like, I still got to kind of mess with like uh, content, Mm -hmm. but then I also get to touch on the side of like development and software development on like the websites. And I'm like, I enjoy this because now I'm learning like HTML, CSS and all these like different coding languages. And I'm like, this is cool stuff. Yeah. So between like content and technical SEO, which we did, dive into a little deeper on Ron's mm-hmm. episode, would you say you lean towards more so- like one side more than the other? Oh, 100%. And <laughs> I've told Ron this a few times too. Like, I love the content side, love writing content, but the technical side just like draws me in so much more because it's like very, I like to say that it kind of pulls my problem solving mind mm. in the sense of like, oh, I get to like take a website and it's like, for example, we had a client recently that I was doing a tech audit on their website and I was like, all right, Ron, I found this issue, but I don't think that the issue necessarily lies where the software is telling me it lies. And then sure enough, Ron ended up helping and he was like, yeah, no, it actually is like a server issue. So we need to get Dev involved in this because it's also something that they would need to look at and actually help fix. And I was like, this is cool how like cross collaborative yeah. um, it is. Yeah. And like cross collaboration, I mean, it's so cool that you're working with Dev on that stuff because like I feel like I've never seen that necessarily come up at this company. It's like a common crossover between like content and Dev. But um, I mean, like you also work with us. You work on the podcast. Um, I just always like to throw it out there because you know you don't necessarily see Tom in our episodes, <laughs> but he's behind right. the scenes helping us. He just lives in Florida, and we're so happy you were able to like come in and make yeah. time for this. Really. Uh, going above and beyond we love you're such a team player that's something that like i feel like i always uh one of my favorite things about working with you which is Mm -hmm. like a great thing i feel like some (laughs) people like oh they're like a team player like that could be like almost people be weird about it but like i think that's great that's the best thing about working with people i love to surround myself with team players um and i just want to you know where like you've done so many different things especially in fields that you like you know might consider to be competitive or like almost like hustle e which is often like more of a individual sport um where do you think that kind of like crossover is where that like uh approach as being like a team player where you found that in contrast to the other sort of stuff you were doing that's more alone the hustle versus the the team (laughs) so i have to say it's a lot it's it's an interesting mix of kind of the fact of as an SEO professional, there's so many. And there's so many people that say, oh, I'm an SEO expert or I'm an expert in this. And so one of the things that on the individual side that I try to focus on is how can I become the best I can? And as I just said earlier, like I didn't finish college. So one of the biggest things that I knew going into my life and into my career was I'm going to constantly have to stay ahead of everyone else that has college degrees and consistently be so on top of new trends and new markets that when I go to like apply for a job, 
I am the most marketable and most sellable. Mm. But then on the collaborative and like the team player side, it crosses over because like to be able to get to that level, you have to be able to collaborate with your team. I can't get to that next level just by being very like self-centered and saying like, it's just me. I, I'm doing all this work. No one else like I don't need anyone else's opinion. And that's to me where like I learn the most is like, for example, Ron has taught me so much. And then I learned from you guys when we're like doing content and you're like, well, this is how we should do this just because like based off this or that. And it's like, oh, that makes so much sense. So it's like a consistent mix of knowing that you want to be the best version of yourself, but also knowing that to get there, you have to integrate your team in your daily life so that you can also like learn from them and grow from them. I love that philosophy. Yeah. Um, I would also say that's what makes a good leader. Yeah. Is someone willing to listen to and work with the team. Yeah. And we were talking about, you know, education and your relationship to it. You are actually an instructor now as well. Can you talk a little bit about how those things like come together? Yeah. So that's actually one of the craziest things um, is the fact that I am a digital marketing instructor. And it's crazy to me because I'm like, I never thought that I'd be teaching at that high of a level, um, especially being what most would consider just a college dropout. But I teach so many students kind of the fundamentals of uh, digital marketing and in, in itself. But same thing, there's constant, like to give you an example, the last class I taught was on Excel formulas. And if Ron were to listen to this podcast, he would immediately be like, yep, Tom's still learning Excel formulas because it is something that I struggle with. I was teaching them, we're going through a lot of the basic ones. And I actually had one of my students who works in data science. Um, he was explaining to me like a whole new Excel formula that I had never heard of. And it basically was a little bit better than the one that we were teaching in class. And so it allowed me to learn from my own student that I was teaching. Um, and in return, we were able to share that with the rest of the class. So same thing, like it's still constant, like, I am the teacher. I'm trying to teach them as much as I can. But in return, there's still things that every once in a while a student will be like, well, could you think about it in this way or this way? And then it makes you like, as a teacher, you sit back and you're like, yeah, you know what? That actually would definitely work. And so I think for the students, they like that because they also feel validated and heard. Um, And they don't feel like, oh, if I give my input, then it's just like stupid. Like they actually Mm -hmm. feel they have been heard. They feel like, Hey, my own teacher is like stating like, I know a lot, but I don't know everything. And I think that's a big importance that I like take in yeah, as I yeah. teach. It keeps the environment open for collaboration. Yeah. Lifelong that's really learning. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I remember being in some design classes in college. I am not as good at design as I am at copy. But I remember having a ton of students in a class that like you can tell like back in middle school and high school, like they were learning these programs on their own. They were doing it for themselves. And like, yeah, we were in college, but every once in a while they would like have something to say to the professor, which was like, clearly like this is self-taught. And, you know, it was just a really cool environment when you can kind of help each other get to that next level. Yeah. So Tom, getting back into like SEO stuff, we were talking about like how that affects site health and that's super important, obviously. Could you uh, tell us what are toxic links and how do they affect your SEO score? So that's actually a great question. So toxic- You wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, 
So toxic links are actually, there's technically like three types of toxic links. So you have malware links um, or malicious links. Um, and those basically like kind of strategically attack your website. Then you have direct spam um, or otherwise known as kind of like, uh, it's just like your typical spam links that you see. Um, and we'll dive more into that. And then you also have uh, Google or intentional marketing spam. And Google or intentional marketing spam is like essentially just like, oh, you're trying to like play the game. It's similar to, once again, back to Ron's episode, uh, when he mentions black hat versus white hat SEO, intentional marketing uh, link spam is a black hat SEO tactic. Yeah. And also, I think we referred to it as like unethical yeah. SEO and ethical SEO as well, which is an alternate name. Exactly. And the Google or intentional marketing spam. So that's like people using Google to like or like trying to like con Google or whatever. Yeah. It's not like coming from Google. It's not associated yeah, no, with no, Google. No, no. <laughs> no, it's it's not nothing like that. It's literally just so for example, like one of the biggest SEO tactics is um, getting the use of backlinks mm -hmm. um, because they actually help improve your page relevance. Um, and they alert Google that your product or page must be relevant if others are linking to it. So when others link back to your page, your content, it's just kind of building up the fact like Google seeing these links coming to your page from other companies and other sites. And they're like, oh, this company must be legit. This company has like a legit brand people are linking to them that means their content must be really relevant to the topics that they're trying to hit and where that comes into play with google or intentional marketing uh, spam is obviously one of the biggest practices of seo is trying to get you to that top position mm -hmm. um, on a SERP result page and basically what people will do is they try to target linking. Um, they'll buy backlinks. They'll try to find a way to get backlinks. Um, and basically one of the ways that you'll hear like they'll do directories, they'll pay for them. Um, and then there's another term called link wheels. Places like Yelp, but Yelp is a good one. But there will be other places that are like online directories and it's like submit your page to get a link those sometimes are harmful because if the directory is not relevant to your company or your site, then it can harm your site because mm. Google will see it and be like, you're only doing this to similar to like keyword stuffing. Mm. You're only doing this to try to rank higher, to try to look like you're more authoritative than you already are. Um, and that's where Google can start penalizing. So that's kind of the use of intentional uh, marketing spam or Google spam. Um, again, not direct Google. It's not like Google linking on your site saying like, oh, here, we're going to put this like link on your site and it's going to take you to some spam page where you get a like virus. It's not that at all. It's basically um, any professional that's trying to game the system, essentially. Uh, and I see it because, you know, I spend a lot of time on TikTok and social media. That's my role. Hello. I see a lot of after talking more with you and Ron, some of these unethical SEO practices actually being preached on social, which is interesting that we're still not at a point where it's like, okay, it's time to leave those things in the past. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely, you know, as you said, the hacking the system mentality. Yeah. It's something that I've seen a lot. Um, one big example that I have, and this is something that I actually had to jump into 
back at when I was a director. Um, my boss, great person, but he constantly would see that stuff on social media, right? Mm. He would be like, well, why are we not getting so many more backlinks? We could just buy them. And I was like, <laughs> hey, I really don't think this is a great idea. But then he would kind of go around and go ahead and purchase those links. Oh, no. And I remember there was a moment that we actually, I got an email um, and I was basically getting notified like, hey, there's a penalization against your uh, site because Great. there's bad links. Um, Google jail, not Google jail. <laughs> it literally the call was Google is jail. coming from within the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but then I also started noticing even before the email, I started noticing that, Hey, our website is, we were at like the top ranking on map packs on like everything. Like I had worked really hard to get us up there. Mm -hmm. And then I started noticing as I was going, I was like, Hey, after you purchase those, uh, we started dropping in rank Oh my god! and over the course of like a few months, um, and this is before, obviously now we have Google, which has continuous scroll, but before continuous scroll, you had all the pages that you would see at the bottom of Google. Right. Right. We ended up all the way on page three. And Ooh, from page when one. I was, yeah. And when I was going through it, like I was looking at the other pages that were ranking above us. And it wasn't even like the actual physical therapy or uh, anything relevant to physical therapy at times that was ranking above us. It was sometimes blogs about physical therapy or like EDU blogs. And I was like, we're getting outranked for the term physical therapy by things that aren't fully relevant to people that are searching this type of term and trying to find like a doctor. Um, Definitely so. a cautionary tale in hacking the system. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I needed a Ron. And yeah, we definitely talk about that a good bit on the other podcast if you want to learn more about remediation. Um, yeah, so what's uh, another, we want to talk about malicious or toxic or straight up spam next? <laughs> yeah, so I, I can get into uh, malicious and toxic. So obviously before I started my career um, in SEO, Spam links have been a thing since like the 90s um, and early 2000s. Um, just to kind of go over that again, that's kind of what we were saying, like that unethical practice. Unethical SEO practices have been around for years and years. Um, it's just become harder to be able to use those unethical practices to actually game the system because Google has gotten smarter, because all these other developers of the, the algorithms have kind of gotten smarter and said, hey, we don't want you to be able to just game the system and then have a user that comes across a result and it's not relevant at all. Right. Uh, if you're searching something, how frustrated would you be if you're searching, oh, I want a new film camera that does this and then all of a sudden you get like four like listings for computers. Right. Hello, yeah, I, bounce yeah. rate. Like <laughs> Exactly. So that kind of goes into you have... The next two and the next topic that I kind of want to hit on is your malicious um, or toxic links. So malicious and toxic links, typically you'll hear these called, um, like they're called bait and switch links. Yeah, um, makes sense. Yeah, and they're very, very common here. So basically a bait and switch link, it'll be like, hey, click here and download this. Yeah. Or for example, the one that we've always seen, hey, your Amazon account's been locked click here to be able to fulfill this. And so that's the whole concept of it's it's taking you, it's causing either spyware, malware, bots, whatever, like your computer is getting attacked by those links. 
Um, is this different or the same with fishing? It, it depends on how the link is, but for the most okay. part, yeah, it's it, pretty similar because essentially that's literally what they're doing. I mean, it's called bait and switch. It's essentially the yeah. same thing. They're essentially tossing that link out there saying, hey, we hope this person clicks on this. Yeah. And if you click on it, then boom, credit card info, whatever else they're after right. is all immediately gone. Fishing, bait. Yeah. Related. <laughs> yeah. Worms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think bait and switch is a pretty like point blank way to describe that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess that brings us to the straight final. up spam. Straight <laughs> dun, dun, dun. up spam. <laughs> My cracked so, so bad. straight up spam is also known as direct spam. Like it's just, it's, it's exactly what you said. It's straight up just spam. Um, straight up spam in, I'll get into it. I have a great example of this that we actually recently ran into with a client. Oh. So straight up spam is basically you'll notice that most of the links that are straight up spam links are um, adult websites, uh, gambling websites, etc. Like it'll be a lot of those kind of sites that you're like. Or like gaming. I see a lot of like yeah. men 40 plus can't stop playing this game. Yes. <laughs> It'll be like those, and and I if you, specific kind of game. I was gonna say, <laughs> if you look at those games, they're very specific. <laughs> um, but those are kind of direct spam, and typically the two types of uh, spam that you'll see here is parameter and uh, referral spam. So parameter uh, redirect spam is essentially it's commonly seen with the adult websites, right? The adult website will append a parameter onto one of your URLs and then the parameter if working would actually redirect to the spam site instead of your site. So the example of this that we actually have is we had a client recently we're doing running through doing a tech audit we're looking in Google search console and all of a sudden we're looking we're like what are what are these links and we started looking at them and all of them were like adult websites. And they were using that exact same method. They were using parameter redirect spam. So as I mentioned, like kind of in the definition of what parameter redirect spam is, basically what it causes to happen is people are clicking onto something and it looks like they're going onto one link, but instead they're going to the adult website. And the reason that a lot of these adult websites do this is because it will actually build their authority. Because now all of a sudden they have, they're stealing essentially the authority that say a massive fortune 500 100 company essentially has they're going to steal that authority and put it onto their website to where now all of a sudden their website's ranking for something that totally shouldn't so the other part of like straight up spam that falls into this is uh, known as referral spam and basically what you'll see if it's a referral spam link then what you'll see when you're looking at your analytics is that the pages have like a lot of sessions but they have zero actions or any events that are taking place on it. So it's just like a number. You'll see like, oh, it looks like we're getting like a lot of sessions on this page. But then you're like, why are there no sessions on this or, or uh, will, events on this? Will it show like 100% bounce rate or like they, it won't even register a bounce rate? Sometimes they don't. It depends. Wow. This podcast is powered by Braindo, a digital marketing agency that not only provides a diverse mix of digital services, but offers guidance, experience, and true partnership to bring your business to the next level. This episode was about SEO and modern spam, but we also have specialists in paid media, data analytics, web development, design, just to name a few. 
We've worked with businesses on every level from local operations to Fortune 500 companies across a variety of industries. We have experts to help strategize and execute your digital marketing needs, no matter what step in the process you're at, from wireframes to paid campaigns. Braindo, experts in everything digital. Reach out and get in touch today to learn about how we can help your business grow. So it seems like a lot of this stuff is so easy to miss unless you already have a professional in your corner checking things on the back end. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, you need an SEO person or you won't (laughs) even know if you have some of these like spammy links on your page. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that so that kind of goes into, I guess, the next portion of what to deal with this Mm -hmm. is like, okay, cool. I have these spam links. I know that I have these. And sometimes the other side of it is, okay, hey, you know, unfortunately, I I did some unethical practices. Mm. I thought I was helping my company because, again, there's a lot of small business owners out there that all they can do is research. So sometimes they see, oh, I can buy links and that'll help. Yeah. Obviously, that's bad information, but they don't know that. They didn't go through education. They don't have somebody like Ron that's teaching them what to do versus what not to do. So, number one, in my opinion, when it comes to this, is being as preventative as possible. As if you're able to be as preventative as possible with your your links and your website, then everything else is a lot easier. Because the cleanup work for links and bad links is 10 times harder than it is just to be preventative. Yeah, that's easy enough to understand. Exactly, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. The other side of that is cleaning up links can be extremely confusing. It can be an an extremely daunting task as well. Sounds time consuming. It is, it (laughs) very much so is, especially because sometimes you have to figure out how do I get rid of this link or is there just a simple quick fix for this? Um, How far is this embedded? Are there more than what I'm seeing? Um, And so the biggest thing that I would advise people is If you're lost, if you're a small business owner, even a big business owner, even if you're a CMO and you have a full team under you, but your full team's looking at the site and they're going, we don't know how to fix this, Mm. consult with an expert. Mm. Because there's so many experts out there um, that know exactly what to do to clean up poor or bad links um, and they can help with stuff like that. So yeah. w- with these experts, you know, coming in with their, you know, either cleanup or some of these preventative practices, what are some things people can do, like actions they can take to actively be preventing and safeguarding themselves from spam? So I would say one of the things that you can do to constantly kind of safeguard is performing a link audit. Mm. Um, so basically what you do is you go through, you audit your website, audit your links, and if you see your site's been hacked, um, then perform that link audit. And what you can do from there, and I'll get more into this feature a little later, but you can use a feature for any of those hacked links um, or really, really bad links that you need to get rid of quick. There's a feature that Google has, which is called the disval feature. The Google disval feature basically will just immediately, like it helps get rid of that link. Um, I'll get into it more later, but there is going to be a warning later in this podcast talking about using that feature because it is a very, very advanced feature that Google has. This reminds me of a different like client anecdote with like preventative care and just cleanup being difficult. Um, One time we had a small business come to us and 
we were just going to do this like really small SEO engagement um, to kind of reorganize, mostly focusing on like their navigation to to aid in a, a redesign effort. And uh, the like link audit or uh, came back in, they had just hundreds of links to these like random places. It wasn't as like obviously expletive like mm-hmm. some stuff out there, um, but it definitely was not great. You don't want that. And um, like they had no idea it was happening. And um, just a little link audit like immediately revealed it as one of the first things Ron did. And it was pretty difficult to clean that up. It like we said it had gone on for we didn't know how long, but yeah, like there were there were hundreds of URLs associated with their domain that were not from them. Um, so yeah, just regular and like you'd never think there's like a little local business. Exactly. That's dealing with all that. And that's and that, I guess that's where because local businesses even experience like a lot of these bad links. And sometimes you'll get what's called a manual action from Google. That's mm. Google jail, essentially. Yeah. When you get the manual action, nine times out of 10, you're not going to want just some regular person that um, works in like website link building or anything like that. More than likely, you're going to want to look for what's called a remediation expert. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> and Sounds so serious. <laughs> because in all honesty, it is. It's extremely serious because to be able to fix the issue, Google's going to basically have like, hey, it's almost like they're going to like hand you a thing and be like, this is what you need to fix. Um, and by getting those remediation experts, a lot of times what they can do, and there's a really popular one, I can't remember her name, um, but what she'll like go do is basically look through your website, look through the, the manual action that Google gave you, and she's going to go through and do the work. Or she'll consult with you and say, hey, this is what steps you need to follow to be able to get yourself to that position where Google is now going, hey, we're all good now. You're out good. of jail. Yeah. <laughs> your jail card, you're out, you've been revoked, and now all of a sudden you can start um, ranking again on the SERP yeah. results page. Thankfully, it hadn't gotten to that point yet with the client we were working with. So um, we were able to fix that up for them but man yeah (laughs) so aside from like a site audit is there any other like preventative measure that can be taken yeah so you can also check your uh paid uh page indexing or you can also see if it's like is it a url on my side how does it show up is it like in red like danger or do you have to like really look at the links and be like okay this looks a little off yeah unfortunately you just have to like actually look at links it'd be nice (laughs) if they just like showed that it was like this is a bad link yeah Yeah. Yeah. or hey this might be a cautionary link um i'm sure there's probably something out there that could help do that um but again same thing you have to there's got to be a process eventually for okay, sure, you have this system that might show you like, oh, these are all bad links, but now you have to be able to go, okay, how how do I fix this? Yeah, you have to actually know what to look for. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but what you can do with like the page indexing is you can actually use an index. Uh, You can use, if you find a bad URL and stuff that's on your side, you can use index removals or you can kind of filter out the... um, poor uh, URLs or the uh, bad sites essentially to help with this. Um, One of the easiest ways to kind of get this removed um, is essentially trying to get in touch with webmasters. 
because say that you see a link or for example, once again, go back to the kind of that malpractice uh, SEO tactic. Say you did buy bad links or you put in and submitted your uh, page for a bad directory. What you can do from here is now contact that directory, uh, whoever the webmaster is, contact them directly and say, hey, can you remove this link? Mm. That's one of the easiest ways. It keeps you from having to worry about Google's disavow feature because, and that was kind of one of the things I wanted to talk about real quick is Google's disavow feature, it's a very advanced feature. However, if used incorrectly, it can actually harm your site and harm your rankings because you can end up potentially using it and end up causing other issues on your site. Some of the top Google executives, one of the things that they state is try to only use the Google disavow feature if you get a manual action. So Um, kind of what we were saying like on that remediation step, try to only use it in that case um, because... Super high level danger zone. It is. It's just one of those things that like Google doesn't want you to accidentally disavow too many or disavow this or that. And so that's why like a lot of the top execs, if you read a lot of the articles that they end up talking with, they'll tell you like, please only use the disavow feature for manual actions because it's the best way to ensure that you don't end up causing an issue or harming your site. It sounds kind of like, you know, don't try this at home. Essentially. Um, disclaimer, like, oh, this, this stunt was performed by a professional. Yeah, yeah, right. Do not attempt. Um, <laughs> so that is good to know. We are disclaiming that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Maybe try a, you know, Tide Stain Stick before pouring a gallon of bleach. <laughs> yeah. Um, or contact an expert. Yeah. <laughs> that too. Um, but yeah, again, the easiest step, just contact your the webmaster that you see the link on. Um, and ask them politely just to remove the link. Sometimes it might not work. You can look at other options for remediation. And But again, this is exactly where having a remediation expert can help you tremendously because they take the complexity of figuring out how do I do this? How do I remediate my website? I want to make sure that my website's fixed. What steps do I need to take? You can research all day, but it, it, at the end of the day, if you're not constantly having to deal with it, Mm-hmm. then it can be very strenuous and it can be also very daunting right, like, task to try to do. Your yeah. time is valuable as well. And if you're sinking hours trying to, you know, DIY a solution, you have to take that into consideration. And, you know, at that point, yeah, it may be more expensive to hire an expert, but it may be just so worth your time, even in the long run. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So we talked about some about like remediation and what these things are. Like, how can you just Going back to preventive care, what are some ways you can avoid spam links in the future? Like, <laughs> So some of the, like, I would say like your top three, be cautious with directories that you use, writing guest blogs, and the last one that I would say is just perform regular tech audits. Perform regular tech audits on your site. Um, for guest blogs, make sure that your blogs are related to your site Mm -hmm. you don't want to be writing a blog that's like say that you are um an ice cream shop you don't want to write a blog about coffee coffee is not relevant unless you're an ice cream shop and a coffee shop that would make more sense (laughs) i forgot that sounds amazing (laughs) but but like if you are if you have a specific industry for example we're a marketing agency so we want to write an article about nascar unless it was relevant to marketing and some aspect ads for nascar (laughs) exactly but we're not gonna like and that's i think that's the biggest thing is make sure that the content you're putting out is relevant Mm -hmm. to your company always 
And that plays into your guys' social media the way that you yeah. do, Rachel. And it also plays into the SEO side of if we're writing a blog and it's not relevant to what we are as a site and mm-hmm. a company, Google's going to scan over that blog. They're going to look at it and be like, this isn't relevant to you, you guys. You're just trying to pass on more authority or you're just trying to write about a trending topic. Um, there's plenty of trending topics within your own industry. I'm sure of it. You can also, uh, if you need to, you can also signal to Google that this is a guest post. Um, what that typically means is using a nofollow link. Um, basically, that mm. just ensures that guest blogging, your guest blogging in accordance with uh, Google parameters. Um, just because you want to make sure that Google is not like, hey, what are you doing here? Yeah, it's um, like walking with that white flag. Like, yeah, yeah. We come in peace. <laughs> so just to kind of like, Use some of the parameters. Make sure you're following Google uh, guest blogging parameters Mm -hmm. to make sure that you're kind of following a lot of those best practices. What is a guest blog exactly? So (laughs) It sounds to me like you're having somebody like write a blog for your site. Then you're like, wow, they're a guest. (laughs) So in all reality, it is that you you are literally on the mark, except what we're doing is actually we're guest blogging on other sites. Oh, okay. So that essentially that's passing on information or links. So like maybe like would like medium.com be an example? Like if we wrote a blog and submitted it there. It depends because sometimes you can use medium as like an extension of your own site. Um so I don't have a direct answer for you if it would do the same. Okay. <laughs> but more of what a guest blog is, is more of the, say, for example, AdAge, great, massive, massive organization. If AdAge were to write an article about you and your company or say that I'm writing an article on AdAge, somewhere along those lines, there's going to be something that's linking or talking about our company. Okay. That's just going to go ahead and start passing more relevance and at age, as you guys know, massive organization. Right. They got it's massive like a good backlink, yeah, right? Exactly. Like, okay. They have high domain authority, and that's something else that you can look at. I could go into that portion of it all day. We could talk about guest blogs for hours. So then, oh my goodness, does that prevent these big companies like AdAge from talking about like the issues because they don't want to give attention or authority to problematic sites or issues? Um. It doesn't necessarily prevent them from talking about issues, but because like they don't, for example, AdAge, if you look at a lot of their content, a lot of the content they put out is about good marketing. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of what they do, like, for example, I know there was a content creator that I knew from Snickers that had done this really cool post and it went insanely viral. However, it got a lot of backlash. AdAge ended up making a whole article about it that article in return now started passing on more authority to Snickers. Yeah, but we already trust Snickers. Yes, but that's essentially what you're seeing is like, even if it's a smaller company, if you get the notification or you get the, I would say the notice and um, you're getting some attention from some of these bigger companies, which are, if you look, they have that higher domain authority. Those companies, if they trust you, they're going to more than likely have no issue with you guests posting on them um, and writing some type of blog. But again, you have to show that that relevance. Um, It's almost the same thing as like an elevator pitch. You can't go to like another company um, or for example, us as a marketing agency, we can't go to a client and if we consistently are awful and we don't aren't good at marketing, we can't go to another company and be like, hey, we want to take care of your marketing because they're going to look at us and be like, 
Yeah, no, you guys don't look like you have a good track record. But, and that's the same thing with guest posting. If you're guest posting and other companies are seeing the content you're putting out and it's very strong and good and it's relevant, they're going to have no issue with you guest posting on their sites. All press is good press. Exactly. As long as it's well written and it's relevant. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Isn't there something that you can like do as well though to like keep your domain from transferring if you don't want it to? Mm-hmm. So that's the no follow link. Okay. So yeah, by doing the no follow link, essentially it just keeps Google from being able to follow that link back. And that is one of like Google's kind of like practices that they want you to follow. Again, like you have your three things. You have your guest blogs, directories, be cautious with those. Make sure you're using relevant ones. Mm -hmm. A lot of the ones I would recommend, Yelp, Bing, those bigger ones, those are kind of directories. Um, Google even has like their own little directory. It's called your nap, um, which is name, address, and uh, phone number. Almost forgot the last one. Um, but those are like making sure those are across all um, different indus- uh, directories. Ensuring that that's all the same exact information mm. is also another way to be able to be on Google's happy side. Um, so, and then again, just make sure you're proactive. If you have bad links, if you start seeing bad links, act on it sooner than later. Even if you just see one or two, it's better to act on it now and yeah. clean it up now than being like, oh, well, it's only one or two. Let me just wait till it gets bigger because I don't want to have to like hire somebody to clean this now. I'd rather have like more of a mess. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Our number one tip yeah. and trick. Don't Be wait for more of a mess. Don't wait for more <laughs> yes. Love that. Clean it up sooner than it before it becomes a bigger issue. Um and finally, once again, when in doubt, consult an expert. Looks directly. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, honestly, consult an expert um, because it can be confusing. It's a very tricky uh, landscape to navigate. Um, and having a team that does it professionally, does it consistently, that's able to collaborate with one another is going to be highly beneficial for you because then you're not having to worry, am I doing this wrong? Am I going to make sure that it's correct? And there's real penalties with having bad SEO. Like if you have bad social, just no one sees your stuff. But there are real penalties to having bad Mm -hmm. SEO. Yeah. Exactly. So I would say that's, that's our biggest, I would say the biggest tips to give is just really be preventative. Being preventative is going to make it your life so much easier um, just because having bad links, it's very tough to clean up. So, yeah, Great. Well, thank you so much for being on, Tom, especially since you like, I mean, you didn't come from Florida just for this, but I mean, it's still pretty impressive. Um, thank you for coming from Florida just for the podcast. Yes. <laughs> I mean... Shout out to my niece and nephews that are being born. Literally, like my niece was born uh, yesterday, and Thank I have you a nephew. Thank you for missing the birds to be on the podcast. <laughs> I have a nephew that's going to be born sometime soon. So, oh shouts out! Congratulations, expanding family. Wow, I know it's wild. Wow, so cute. Um, anyway, <laughs> so modern spam. Everyone who's on the internet has seen it in some form or capacity. Even if, you know, you know people in your family that have, like, fallen for it. <laughs> We've I all think been everyone there. has one. <laughs> it was really interesting to learn, you know, the technical side of it. Why people choose to be spammy. Like, what they could actually gain from it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what you can do to prevent your site from falling victim to these scammers out there. Please follow the 
podcast if you enjoyed this episode, if you learned something new. And check out our services on our website. Um, Next episode, we will be learning about paid media with Kelsey, who is a great, lovely, wonderful expert in her field. You can follow Braindo on Instagram and TikTok at brain.do. You can find us on LinkedIn at Braindo. You can find Tom on LinkedIn. That'll be linked in the description box below. And thank you guys so much for watching. See you next time at At the the Roundtable.